0: so a quarter century ago, um, a pastor by the name of William Stidger was just reflecting upon all the people that had gotten him to where he was. He was just reflecting upon all the influence in his past life. And there's this moment where he thought about a teacher he had not thought about in a long time. It was a teacher from elementary school. And she was actually the one that instilled this love of literature, that instilled this love of the written word that actually ended up being a big reason why he did what he did. And there's this moment for him where he was kind of convicted about the fact that the teacher had no idea, like the influence that she had on his life, had no idea the impact that she had made on him and what he ended up doing. And so he takes a moment and he writes down a handwritten letter and he sends it off to his teacher. And a few days later, he actually gets a reply. He gets a reply from this teacher, and I wanna read you what it read. It says, my dear Willie, apparently they were close, because nicknames, Willie. "I'm, I'm an old lady in my 80s, living alone in a small room, cooking my own meals, lonely and seemingly like the last leaf of fall left behind. You will be interested to know, Willie, that I taught school for 50 years, and in all that time, yours is the first note of appreciation that I ever received. It came on a blue cold morning and it cheered my lonely old heart as nothing has cheered my heart in years. It cheered my lonely old heart as nothing has cheered my heart in years. The power of gratitude, the power of thanksgiving, it has a way of not only transforming us, but transforming the people around us. And I believe that really God designed it to be this way. And that's what we're gonna be talking about this morning is being people who are rooted in gratitude. Because as we become a people who are rooted in gratitude, it is gonna transform us and it's gonna begin to transform the lives around us as God intended it. Where we've been the past few weeks, if you haven't been with us, we've been in this series entitled Rooted. And the heart behind this series has been to just have everyone take a step. Have everyone take a step and being more rooted in Jesus, more, more rooted in the life that God has made us for, more rooted in the full, abundant life that Jesus died for you to have. And so we've talked about a number of things. We've talked about what it looks like to be rooted in grace, what it looks like to be rooted in humility, what it looks like to be rooted in love. And I believe that a, a life that is marked by love, a life that is marked by peace, a life that is marked by joy, begins and ends with a life of gratitude. So we've talked about a lot in this series so far, at least we have at Marathon I and you have at Cannery, um, being rooted in grace, surrender, obedience, love, last week, humility. Now, let's say that you haven't learned a thing yet in this teaching series. Either it's your first week here or Dave and Aaron have done a really horrible job of teaching and you haven't learned a thing yet. I'm just kidding. I know they've done a great job. But let's say you come in here having not learned a thing about all these other ways we can be rooted in Jesus. I think if you will take what we talk about today, if you will will put it into practice, it will retroactively teach you all the things that we've looked at up to this point. Because the power of gratitude and thanksgiving is far greater than I think most of us realize. You wanna be rooted in generosity, okay? You wanna be rooted in grace, you wanna be rooted in surrender, obedience, love? Okay, become a person of gratitude. Become a person of thanksgiving. Gratitude and thanksgiving, it is the key. It is the key that I think will unlock the joy, the peace, and the love that we were all made for. So this morning, here's what I want to do. I want to just highlight some of the fruit that comes from a life of gratitude, the fruit that comes with a life that is rooted in thanksgiving, because I believe it's by God's design He made us this way. That as, as, we, as we utter words of thanksgiving, as we utter words of gratitude, we become more naturally rooted in who he is. I think that's why you see so often in the scripture these commands to be thankful. You see so often in the scripture this, these actions of gratitude from the people of God. And what I wanna do this morning, I honestly could not pick one passage. I started in one passage and I was like, oh, there's this one and this one and this one and this one. So what I wanna do this morning, I just wanna highlight some of the passages where we are commanded, where we're invited to live lives of gratitude and thanksgiving. So let's start with the first passage in 1 Thessalonians. It says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you, In Christ Jesus, number two, Colossians chapter three. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, I love that, a kingdom that cannot be shaken, what? Let us be thankful. Ephesians chapter five, verse 20. This this just makes my heart come alive. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord Always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything. Always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything. Philippians chapter four, very familiar. Uh, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Psalm 136, two more. Give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever forever. 1 Thessalonians, one more time, we're gonna land on this one. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. We really believe that the commands of Scripture, the ways of Scripture, this God-breathed thing that we have will lead to life. It will lead to the abundant life that we all are longing and looking for. And as I began to just meditate and reflect upon these passages of Scripture, what I began to see was just certain things bubble up in the hearts of people who are filled with thanksgiving. And that's what I want to highlight this morning. I want to highlight what happens when we step into the spiritual practice of gratitude. No matter where you find yourself, no matter the circumstances of your life, if you step into the spiritual practice of gratitude, it will begin to bear this fruit. And then I want to just give us some practical steps, some real practical ways that we can step into lives of gratitude this week. So the three that I want to highlight, honestly, there are so many. You just just begin to look at the fruit of a life of gratitude. The three that I want to highlight are, number one, contentment. Number one, contentment. Number two, perspective. And number three, praise. So contentment, perspective, praise. Let's, Let's look at this first one together. Contentment. How many of you this morning, don't raise your hands, how many of you this morning would describe yourself as content? If I were to have you write down five things that that describe your current state of being, like, okay, write down five words that will describe your your current state of being, how many of you would have the word content in your top five? If I had to guess, you're probably like me, not, not too many hands would be raised. And one of the reasons I think is that our culture, the culture that we're swimming in is at constant war with contentment. It's at constant war with contentment. This is a hard one for me, but I believe that when we make the choice to be content through the avenue of gratitude, it will begin to untangle your soul so that you can live a life more fully alive in God. Gratitude will untangle your soul to live a life more satisfied in Him. I don't want us to confuse content with being complacent. I think sometimes I can confuse those two. But contentment is is not the absence of goals, dreams, a vision for the future. Contentment is not the absence of a vision for what you want life to look like in God. Don't confuse envy now with a vision for the future because Contentment, it's this posture of, of the heart. It's a posture of kind of an inner state of being. And here's the, here's the cool thing. If you struggle with envy, if you struggle with jealousy, and let's be honest, we, I think we all do, practice gratitude. Practice gratitude. Here's the cool thing. Being envious and being grateful cannot coexist together. They simply cannot be used in the same, well, they can be used in the same sentence, but you can't experience the two together. Something I've learned just in my own experience is ungrateful people are just never satisfied in life. Ungrateful people are never satisfied in life. I've been there. I know. You're you're always kind of looking for the next best thing. And I'm sure some of you have lived this reality that, that you, you're actually missing life itself, looking for and longing for the better life. A life, a time when things will be better, right? Here's the, here's the thing that I've realized over and over and over again, is that when I actually get to the, the time when things are better, it's not all that I thought it would be and there's actually something even better on the horizon. You see, thanksgiving and gratitude, it roots us in the present. It roots us in the present. And this is, this is something I, I'm trying to live out better. I've got a two-year-old son, got another little girl on the way, and one of the things that I'm just longing to do is live life in the present, because I'm starting to realize how quickly it slips away. Culture's telling us, it's a, be more, do more, go more, acquire more, 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 more. And gratitude and thanksgiving, what it does is it, it cultivates a heart of contentment, the practice of simply giving thanks. Paul, he, he understood this. He, he lived a life that I will never long for, a life in and out of prison, a life that eventually ended in death for his faith. And this is what Paul says in 1 Timothy 6 about living a life that is content. 1 Timothy 6, 6, it says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. It's like a proverb that we can live by. But Paul, he also goes on to say this over and over and over again in other situations. He says, actually, in Philippians, he says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances And we know what Paul had gone through. We know what Paul was going through even when he wrote this letter to the church. says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. It's learned. It's learned. Gratitude produces. Gratitude helps us learn contentment. It will slow your soul down to the speed that God intended it to run. The second fruit of gratitude I wanna highlight is perspective. So number one, contentment. Number two, perspective. Robert Emmons, he's the world's leading scientific expert on gratitude. Didn't know that existed before this week, but apparently there is one. There's a leading scientific expert on gratitude. He has studied it and studied it and studied it in a scientific way. And it makes sense in a lot of ways because he actually ties humility with gratitude very often. So it lines up perfect. We talked about humility last week, talking about gratitude this week, just like we planned it. But what he does is he ties humility and gratitude together. And I believe that when we take on postures of humility and gratitude, what it does is it produces a proper perspective within us. It allows us to see as heaven sees, as it allows us to perceive as heaven perceives. This is what Robert Emmons wrote, He says it better than I can. In gratitude and humility, we turn to realities outside of ourselves. We become aware of our limitations and our need to rely on others. In gratitude and humility, we acknowledge the myth of self-sufficiency. We look upward and outward to the sources that sustain us. Becoming aware of realities greater than ourselves shields us from the illusion of being self-made being here on this planet by right, expecting everything and owing nothing. The humble person says that life is a gift, a gift to be grateful for, not to be claimed. Humility ushers in a grateful response to life. So gratitude, what it it ends up doing is it changes our perspective and it allows us to reframe the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Now, reframing does not mean just completely ignoring the situations, are being naive, so to speak, looking for silver linings that do not exist. It doesn't require a denial of reality. I think some people think that, but instead it's an acknowledgement that reality is in fact somewhat subjective. So things really do objectively happen, but the meaning of those things is open to interpretation. And this perspective change, it changes how we experience them. It changes our reality. So I just wanna give you just a couple of examples about how this plays out, what this could look like. So in one situation, you you could be devastated, absolutely crushed that you got laid off from work. And I would agree, that's a really, really bad thing. On the other side of the coin, you have an opportunity, an opportunity for a fresh start, an opportunity for a job that you wouldn't have taken otherwise. You You can be bitter. That, that your girlfriend or boyfriend cheated on you, or you can be thankful that you don't have to waste time figuring out there's someone they are not. You can be really upset and frustrated that a flight was canceled, we've all been there, or you can be grateful for the opportunity to spend a little bit more time with friends you are visiting. You can be annoyed that you have to attend yet another boring meeting at work. Or you can be grateful for this time to let your mind just wander. They didn't say you have to pay attention. (laughs) Here's the thing. Either side of these coins is just as real as the other. This is just as real. Which side you choose to focus on is up to you. You can concentrate on what's gone wrong, and I've been there and I'll do it again, or you can pay attention to what's still right. You can see the obstacle as an obstacle, or you can see the obstacle is the way in which you're headed. And even in times of real hardship, while it is unlikely that you will feel grateful for the suffering, you can still feel grateful in the suffering. That is, you can still find small mercies. You can still find small points of light even in the midst of your darkest hour. I read something this week that said, if you're gonna be going through hell anyway, why do it without gratitude and make the trial even harder than it has to be? It's not making light of the trials that we go through. It's changing the perspective through which we see them with. And then maybe later, maybe later from a distant vantage point, allowed by time, You may, in fact, grow to become grateful for the suffering that you went for, for the way it refined you, for the way that it changed your course of life, for the way that it brought you closer to God, for the way that it brought you closer to community and friends. Gratitude, what it does is it helps give birth to this heavenly perspective that we cannot have on our own. Fanny Crosby, uh, I don't know how many of you have heard of her. She's a famous hymn writer. She wrote over 9,000 hymns in her life. Uh, Blessed Assurance, a lot of hymns that are still sung today. Fanny Crosby has this really remarkable story. At the age of six weeks, she was diagnosed with an illness. And she actually found herself in need of a doctor. And unfortunately, the doctor was out of town. So another doctor comes in and prescribes this treatment. It what ends up happening is this doctor turned out to be a fraud, and the treatment that he prescribed actually made her go blind. She was blind at the age of two months for the rest of her life, not by anything that had happened other than some sort of evil. And I'm blown away when you read the story of Fanny Crosby. You see a life that is just filled with gratitude and thanksgiving. You see a life that is rooted in gratitude. In one of her autobiographies, this kind of famous story is written a number of different times from a number of different sources. And there's this moment where I think a well-meaning person comes up to her and says something along the line. It's a great pity that God did not give you sight when he showered you with so many other gifts. Now, she had obviously heard this before. She had a response ready. And this is what she said. She said, do you know that if I had been able to make one petition when I was born, it would have been that I was born blind. Because when I get to heaven, the first face that shall ever gladden my sight will be that of my Savior. Gratitude, it it gives birth to a perspective that is beyond us. It gives birth to a perspective that is God's perspective. So number one, contentment. Number two, perspective. And number three, where we're gonna land the plane is praise, praise, worship. Here's the thing. When we begin to understand who God is, when, when we begin to understand on a deep heart level what God has done for you, how much he loves you, we're, we're, we're not gonna to have to set aside times to praise and worship. What's gonna happen is we're just gonna bust out and praise and worship wherever we are, whatever we're doing. Gratitude gives birth to praise. If we meditate on the goodness of God, if we remember the promises of God, no matter the circumstances, we will become people of gratitude. And in turn, we will become people of praise. Just assess kind of right now in your life. When you come into spaces like these, when you come into times like these, what is the condition of your heart? Does does praise and worship flow from within you? Or or do you find your your heart kind of cold and subdued? I've been in both of these places before. And when I look back and I kind of look at my life during those times in both of them, I believe what it boils down to is a heart, a heart that focuses on gratitude, a heart that, that is thinking and meditating upon the goodness of God, even in times when I didn't feel the goodness of God, even in times where it didn't look like I would know the goodness of God, I would repeat the promises of God over and over again. I was talking with Dale, he's our worship pastor, over at Marathon, and I just was asking him, I was like, I'm seeing this correlation between thanksgiving and praise, Tell me, t- tell me what you've experienced just as a worship pastor. And he said a couple of things that really stuck with me. He said, it's hard to praise without first being thankful. He says, it's the entrance into praise. It's the entrance into praise. It's, I don't know if Will read it again, he read it at the nine, Psalm 100. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. This is, this is not a ritual. This is not a ritual, it's simply a reality. We enter into his presence with thanksgiving. We experience the goodness and the presence of God when we offer up thanks. What gratitude does is it conditions our hearts to seek him more, to praise him more. So gratitude, it just gives birth to praise. It gives birth to perspective It gives birth to contentment in our lives. But like anything on your journey with Jesus, it takes time. Overnight, you're not just gonna simply become a person who's just filled with gratitude. It takes time. It takes practice. It actually takes discipline. Gratitude is a spiritual discipline. I, I wanna invite us to practice this week. No matter the circumstance of your life, no, no matter what you're going through, whether you feel like it or you don't, I'm going to invite you, take the chance and practice gratitude this week. One of the things I've learned is that sometimes when you go through the motions of gratitude, when you go through the motions of gratitude, the emotions of gratitude will come. The emotions of gratitude will follow. And so I want to give you just three very, very tangible ways that you can practice gratitude Gratitude this week. And the the first thing I want to invite you to do is to savor the good. Savor the good. To keep the good things in life that we experience from simply just kind of coming in one ear and out the other. We have to put this net in place to actually catch them. And you do that by just simply relishing, simply savoring those good moments that come along. So, When something good happens to you this week, when something sweet happens to you, whether it's a good cup of coffee or a great conversation with a friend, a hug from a child, say you just really enjoy a meal, don't don't just blow by that moment. Savor that moment. For for 10 seconds, just savor the goodness of that moment. Soak in the, the joy of it. Soak in the beauty of it. Soak in the pleasure of it. And here's the thing. As you let the good come in more deeply, as you let every good thing come in more deeply, your feelings of gratitude will increase. Your feelings of gratitude will increase. Number two, keep a gratitude journal. This practice has been around for a really long time. But it's amazing what we do when we note the things that we're thankful for. When we note where we see God at work, when we note the characteristics of God, when, when we note the good things that come our way, when you practice this, what's gonna happen is it's gonna become easier and you're gonna begin to see more good and you're gonna have more to be grateful for. And I'm not even gonna ask you to do it a, a, every day this week, two days this week. Take two days this week and just begin a gratitude journal. You can can get your notes out on your phone. And in a new note, it can be all the things that you're thankful for and you can build on it and build on it and build on it. So number one, savor the good. Number two, keep a gratitude journal. Number three, meditate on the goodness of God. One of the most transformative things for, for me over this past year has been around just being around men and women of God who know the word of God, who love the word of God, who repeat the word of God, who live the word of God, who believe the word of God. What what you feed will grow. What you feed will grow. And I wanna invite us this week just to turn to the word of God and allow our love for the word of God to grow. And I wanna ask you specifically to meditate on the goodness of God in Psalm 100. Psalm 100, we've been in it all day. And this is what it says, verse five, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. The Lord is good. I'm just going to even invite you to just listen to me as an example of what this can look like. This was kind of a little strange for me. I started being around people who would just meditate on the word of God, repeat it out loud. And What I found was that as I began to repeat the promises of God out loud, I began to believe the promises of God in my heart. So Psalm 100 says this, for the Lord is good. Okay, the Lord is good. Chew on that. The Lord is good. Repeat after me. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. Think about all the ways in which he's good. Think about all the ways you've experienced God's goodness in your life. Okay, his love endures forever. His love endures forever. Yes, God, your love endures forever. Lord, your love, it knows no bounds. Think about what that means for you. Think about what that means in your life. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Repeat that. His faithfulness continues through all generations. This is why the Word of God is so powerful. When we read it, when we repeat it, when we pray it out loud, it begins to transform us from the inside out. So number one, savor the good this week. Savor the good moments. Think on them, dwell on them, live in them. Number two, keep a gratitude journal. And number three, meditate on the goodness of God out of Psalm 100. Each week, One of the things that we do as a church family is we take communion. And I don't know if you realize this in the moment, but this is just us even standing up out of our chairs, going to grab this piece of bread and this cup of juice. It's it's us saying, Jesus, we are thankful. We are thankful for what you've done, for what you're doing, for what you're going to do. Jesus, we are thankful for unlocking the joy and the peace that is available In you and so this week as we head to the table as we head to just break the bread together what I want to invite us to do is just come with Thanksgiving come with Thanksgiving together you can pray to God with the people sitting around you just giving thanks to him for who he is you can name the things that you're thankful for that are happening in your life right now and then if you want to receive prayer there'll be men and women at the respond banner who would love to just pray and pour out love upon you if you have anything you wanna walk through. Gratitude produces contentment, perspective, and praise. And I wanna invite us this week to savor the good, to give thanks, and to meditate upon the goodness of God. Let's pray for our time of communion. Father, we are grateful. God, I'm just grateful for just this group of people here this morning that, that are clearly hungry for you, that, that are longing to be men and women who are, who are with you and are for you, God, I, I ask that as we step into just the, the practice of gratitude this week, that, that you will do more um, than any of us could fathom or imagine. that that you will just open our hearts uh, to, to you and your love and your peace and your joy. And God, that we'll come alive. We will come alive as we give thanks this week. Jesus, ultimately we are thankful for you, your sacrifice, everything that you have done for us. And it's in your name that we pray, amen.